I need to know if I can get my old Motorola ringtones on there because I had some dope ringtones I made for my hot pink razor. podcast thank you so much for tuning in again this week before we get started today i'd love to remind you if you like what we do please leave us a rating or a review on apple Podcasts. it helps get the show out there share this with your friends wherever you found it whether it was apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher tune in spotify all of those places where you can find fine podcast content you can find raymond and i'd also love for you to connect with us on twitter at two woke nerds you can shoot us an email two woke nerds at gmail.com my name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm my host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man whose life goal is to write as many unnecessary sequels as Todd Phillips, Raymond Summerlin. Ray, how are you? Oh, you know, just really, just really looking after that, thinking about that Sandman origin story. I really need to get into, I really need to get into that. Who else, who else needs an origin story? I know, wait a minute, Sandman's Marvel. Who, who, what D, random DC needs an origin story? So there's also a DC Sandman, so you could have just let that ride. Oh yeah, the Batman one, right? Yeah, the the uh, I, I don't know he, how it works. Wasn't he like Mudface or something like that? So that's Wasn't Clayface. That Clayface, yes. Clayface, that's him. That's him. We're gonna Clayface origin story. We're we're riffing on the fact that Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix, after saying feverishly that they would not do a sequel to Joker, that it was an insular thing. Uh the movie crossed a billion dollars, highest grossing R rated film of all time. And so now they're going to make a sequel because, well, Warner Brothers backed a Brinks truck up to one and or both of their houses to make that film, which, whatever, it's fine. People like that movie for whatever reason, and it's going to get another one. I mean, I wonder if we could really put our finger on how they were able to make this happen. I wonder if we could we could figure out why they're so interested in making this sequel. I, I don't know why Warner Brothers would be so excited about having a commercially and critically successful movie. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Why Why would they do it? But speaking of critical and commercial successes, we are going to talk briefly about Disney Plus and the launch, specifically the biggest piece of launch content they have, The Mandalorian, and then we'll do our bi-weekly Watchmen check-in because, Ray, I, I texted you Sunday evening. I don't know what's going on, but I'm absolutely having an incredible time being confused. So, uh, Disney Plus launched last week as the time of recording, and right off the bat, in the first week, we got not one, but two episodes of The Mandalorian, one hit on Tuesday, and then one hit again on Friday. And so, we're going to go full spoilers up front, so if you haven't seen The Mandalorian, if you don't have Disney Plus One, what are you doing with your life? You're, there, 10 million people signed up on the first day. So I don't know who you are, but it's $6. You should probably watch it. Uh, so we'll go full spoiler. So if you haven't seen The Mandalorian, stop and watch the newest episode. And then we will uh, we'll, we'll be here when you get back. So uh, Pedro Pascal is playing a unnamed, faceless Mandalorian bounty hunter. He gets a... a uh, new bounty from uh, from Apollo Creed ends up going to see <laughs> Werner Herzog, who was ripped straight from a documentary about Nazis hiding in Argentina in 1963. Uh, 100%. Uh, 100%. Like, I just want to pause there. The, like, imperial symbol on the, like, the necklace he was wearing, it, like, 
this show is, is I don't want to call it perfect, but there's so much about this show that is just like that's incredible, that's perfect. Like the show itself isn't perfect, but there are moments like seeing that that empire emblem hanging from his neck is just incredible. Like in the way he just commands the room, even though it's clear that his his base of power, like you look at those stormtroopers and you they're like grizzled and dirty and like you could they almost look like like as much as you can in armor, they look emaciated. Like Ed, he's still walking around, like swinging that cape around, like he's like the the toughest dude around. And then old Doctor Dude walks in with uh, like Doctor Pershing, sure, with this glistening like suit. It was just it was hilarious. It was like yeah, uh, I don't know if y'all know what happened, but y'all lost. So. <laughs> So maybe start acting like it? Yeah, uh, but you know what? No, Werner, do whatever you want to do. Just chew that scenery because I'm in love. So he gets a bounty. The The Mandalorian gets a bounty from uh, from Werner Herzog. I'm not, we're never going to call him by his actual name. Uh, that's, Ver- his, that's his character's name, henceforth. And I'm really happy that you went with Apollo Creed because that is also that character's name. Yeah, it could. I I couldn't remember his character's name from Predator, but that would have also been a, an acceptable choice, I think. Uh, so he gets a, he gets a bounty for a fifty year old being, uh, preferably recovered live, but because bounty hunting is a complicated profession, uh, he's able to. He says proof of extermination will also be accepted, uh, paying him in Beskar, which was uh, a mineral that the Empire. Uh, stole from Mandalore and the Siege of Mandalore. And kind of, they call the Siege of Mandalore is kind of like 1921 in Tulsa was a riot. It was a, just a massacre. So, anywho, long story short, he teams up with Taika Watiti, IG11, who, again, that was incredible. Uh, to recover our favorite, our favorite droid of all time. Like, I know we didn't get enough time with him to like supplant R2 and even BB8. Who, by the way, I was watching uh, the Force Awakens again. BB8 is the second cutest thing that this new thing has ever created, except for the thing we're about to talk about. BB-8 is so many levels of cute. Like, it is unbelievable. But, like, beyond those two, and I guess 3PO, that that droid is high on our list already, right? Oh, and then the droid from Rogue One. There are lots of good droids. Uh, the the droid work since Disney has taken over has been pretty incredible. Like, let's just go ahead. They're, I mean, again, of the new creations, because... um. The droid in Solo was incredible as well. Uh, the droid Liberation, the, the You're Not a Slave. I cannot remember her name, but just just absolutely incredible. So, um, anywho, IG-11, exactly how IG droids, I think, probably should function with the uh, the weird arm moving and the, the, the swiveling. I loved it. Uh, but, anywho, they, they find the mark, and it is what has been colloquially termed Baby Yoda. Yeah, because what else are we going to call it? We don't even know what Yoda's species is called. We know like four of them in like the history of Star Wars. So what else there, are we going to call it? It's Baby Yoda. There have been two. Two in canon. Just Yoda and Yaddle. Which is just great. Yoda <laughs> and Yaddle. So uh, we've got we've to pause and talk here because one, like, I, like it was the first episode was good. Like it was, it was good. I was like, all right, this is solid. And then... When they when they pulled back the curtain on Baby Yoda, I was like, "Oh wait, they're doing this! Like this is a thing that's happening." Uh, and so it's one of the biggest shockers I think I've seen in Star Wars. Um, probably second behind Luke not actually being on crate is like right up there, at least in modern Star Wars. Obviously, no, I am your father is the biggest shocker in Star Wars of all time. But like 
this is this is incredible. And so we have to talk because there are theories floating around. There's a lot of stuff going about. And so I I don't know what to think of this because it's I hope it's not like Yoda's progeny. I think I hope there's something else going on here. It can't be Yoda's baby because it's 50 years old. That would mean Yoda would have a kid the entire time that he is chastising and driving Anakin to the dark side because of Anakin's love interest in Padme. So if it's Yoda's kid, that is bad. Like, that is just bad. So it can't be Yoda's kid, right? So then it just has to be, then it just has to be some other one of the species. But you mentioned the only ones we know, and I think there are a couple other ones in, like, the Legends canon, right? So... All of the all of this species, which doesn't have a name, if I'm correct, right? They do not. We do not know the name of this species. So all of these species are force sensitive. Every single one of them that we've met. So the fact that this one is force sensitive, uh, or very strong in the force, is not doesn't immediately mean that it's related to Yoda. But what else are we going to call it other than Baby Yoda until we figure it out? Absolutely. And so the other. The other theory, and this is this is the tinfoil hat, so uh, if you're put on your looking glass mask, Ray, for this one. So Dr. Pershing, the guy that you were you were chastising earlier, has a certain symbol on his uniform, and that symbol, the last time it was seen yeah. was an attack of the clones on the clones in Camino. So is Dr. Pershing maybe a clone? Or is this a clone of Yoda, and that's why the Empire is okay with, hey, we want this guy, but if he can't, then kill him. I like the clone of Yoda idea. I think that that one works. Like, it's connected to everything. You're going to have a connection to this character, but it doesn't kind of break who Yoda's character was either. So I, I like the clone. Somehow they got, when he was there retrieving retrieving the clones, in what was that attack of the clones when he was in there retrieving the clones they somehow got some of his dna and were able to clone him i support that but that also leads to that also leads to the possibility of an army of baby yodas and i think that the internet would literally explode like i think (laughs) that it would like all of our computers would simultaneously catch fire phones our phones our phones would blow up like they're all galaxy x it would be it would be intense. It would be intense. 100%. Because Baby Yoda is the hottest thing on the internet right now. If you're not following Early Don't Sleep, follow No Context Baby Yoda. It's a great account for you to follow. It's just great. So uh, we get to episode two. So it ends with the cute scene of the Mandalorian kind of playing with Baby Yoda. Did you have something to add, Ray? Can we call this episode two? It feels just like it's an extension of episode one. Like, and it was only 30 minutes long, 25 minutes long. I don't think this was an episode two as much as it was we didn't give you all of episode one on launch date. I think they, they decided to go with like two 35-minute episodes rather than one 70-minute episode, which which I'm fine with. I'm completely fine with because I would much rather you give me digestible stuff than give me something that I have to clear my schedule for. But that's just my – we talked about that the last time we were on. Like we both prefer the episodic method rather than the 30-episode the dump, right? Yeah, no, I think so, but it's just – it was odd that their their selling point was, hey, you get one on Tuesday, and then you get one on Friday. And I'm like, eh, it's – I could have just dealt with it all on Friday, but anyway. They were both 32 minutes, right? So, yeah. So we get episode two, and episode two, he is now trying to get this uh, floating baby Yoda 
back to his ship. When he arrives at his ship, the Jawas have stripped it like it's 1984 um, Hell's Kitchen or Harlem or something. So the Jawas have stripped it. He and uh, the Ugnot Nick Nolte have to go and barter with the with the uh, Jawas, which before we get to that, Nick that Nolte, opening... Man. Well, one Nick Nolte is just incredible, and I'm. I have th- spoken. It's just perfect. Yeah, that I I have I have hearted several I have spoken gifts to use uh, to get myself in trouble with my wife. So it's just it's going to happen. That's the kind of husband I am. So Nick Nolte was incredible, and then that opening sand crawler chase. If that wasn't ripped straight out of Indiana Jones, like yeah. it was just incredible. It was just. And even before that, disintegrating the Jawas, like he would shoot them, and the, their uh, their cloaks would like fly up in the air. It was just, it's such an incredible mix of like comedy and action, and it's just they they hit all of the right tones and all of the right things, and it felt like that really early in that second chapter. Yeah, but I mean, like, I I worry. So it was fun. I liked it. Right. First of all, though. Uh, the next thing that happens where they have to go and kill the uh, the horn thing, which I don't even remember what that thing was called. Whatever, whatever they goes to kill that, that upset me because that that's just a mama trying to protect her baby, right? That's just a mama trying to protect her baby. We don't need to be killing those anyway. But like that, and like the chase and the fight that he had uh, with the three with the three mercenaries in the tunnel and all of that stuff, it kind of felt like what we talked about we kind of hoped it wasn't or at least i hoped it wasn't which was like a mission of the week kind of situation where yoda's just kind of baby yoda's just kind of there and he's like along for the ride and we'll get some payoff at the end about who baby yoda is and who mando is and all that stuff but it's almost like it's like hey this is you know csi whatever planet they're on and we're gonna have some we're gonna have some adventures and that like it felt a little bit like that to me and that's not really what i was here for but i guess if that's what it's going to be then i guess that's all right you know it and i i i didn't get that feeling from it it i think it felt that way because it should have been just one long episode right it should have been yeah. him getting baby yoda and then him extracting baby yoda cuz that was those were the, the kind of the the two parts of it that's all what basically episode or chapter 2 was all about was him getting the parts to his ship back so he can extract baby yoda but Baby Yoda tagging along was incredible because some of the best moments of that episode were just the random shots. Of, like the the spit that out when he eats the frog. Yeah. Just like those those are just some incredible funny moments. Uh, and then like the payoff of the egg just being like Jawas being weird and gross. I thought was also pretty good. Not me. That poor mama. That poor egg. Right. The one of the universal things in Star Wars is that um, there are no animal rights. At all, you can just do whatever you want to any animal, which I don't agree with. But she that's was just been a trying to Star Wars. she was just trying to raise her furry family in the mud. That's all she wanted to do. How do you get furry eggs? That's a question I had. That's a thing that I really am curious about. I don't get it. Like, does it have skin that then grows hair? How does that? How does that work? I got nothing. And the fact that it's furry like makes the fact that they're just eating it even grosser. Well, more gross, grosser. It's it's more gross, grosser for sure. Yeah, uh, for sure. Igor Gross Matos. So, <laughs> uh, so it concludes with the with uh, the Ugnat Nick Nolte putting the Mandalorian ship back together and him flying back, presumably to turn in the bounty. 
So I want to know what the the next episode has me has me curious and has me intrigued because, well, what are the Imperials going to do with him? And is the Mandalorian who has a soft spot for orphans? Uh, they established that in the first episode. What's he going to do about that? So I am neither on the edge of my seat nor intrigued because there's not a chance that he hands over Baby Yoda to the Imperials, and so there's literally no suspense, none whatsoever. It's not the suspense of whether or not he does, but that's that's the complication point of this plot is what what does that spark? How does that bring in Gus Fring into the conversation? What does uh, again Werner Herzog or Doctor Pershing? What is like what I, I'm curious about what the conflict looks like there. I think it looks like him not turning over Baby Yoda and Werner Herzog getting mad about it. I don't think there's much. I don't think there's much. I don't think there's much uh, surprise waiting in store for us. Certainly not opening up an egg and seeing Baby Yoda. Surprise levels of surprise. I mean that's that's fair. There there's not going to be another. Well, I won't say there's not going to be. I I I am not anticipating another shock of that magnitude thus far. But again, what if we get Force Ghost Yoda? All in. All in. I would love Force Ghost Yoda. I would love the aforementioned Army of Baby Yodas. Yoda? Yeah. Yodai? Yeah, Army of Baby Yodai. Yeah. Baby Yodai for sure is the way we're going to go. Great band name. <laughs> Trademark. Raymond, you play all the Baby. instruments. I'll do nothing. Uh, I could, Whatever. So we'll, we'll move on to our bi-weekly Watchmen check-in because I'm still confused and I'm loving every minute of it. So we got two episodes um, and... I texted this to you, not this past Monday, or not this, you know, two days ago, Monday, or three days ago, Monday, but, but two Mondays ago after episode, uh, what was that, four, right, the, the last one we hadn't covered, this show feels like Damon Lindelof is a time traveler in which he goes to Reddit, reads all the theories, and then answers them, but in shocking ways, the next episode over, right, because the way that they did all these reveals, like, they revealed that, uh, Ozymandias has been on that uh, has been in captivity for several years the way they revealed uh, the clone situation the way they revealed him trying to escape like all of those things the reveals keep coming and I'm having just I, I again I don't know what's going on we're getting some more of that we got that in the most recent episode but I'm still not 100% sure everything that's moving and everything that's falling into place so you're telling me you didn't expect fetus lake that wasn't it's something a- that you expected to see so fetus lake was was something I, I didn't think those words went together. I think I feel like it's a brand new sentence. <laughs> yeah, I mean obviously it it's interesting where we're going. This last episode with Looking Glass was was great. It was a great kind of character study. Uh look at look at where he came from and, and his kind of spot in the plot but i you know which hopefully has not come to an end but very well could have when we're left with left with the end i kind of don't think it has but you know well no nobody that paranoid has a non-booby trapped house but the He's, uh this is this is grown up kevin McAllister for sure yeah exactly you know there are booby traps all throughout there but yeah i thought there were some really interesting things i really like how how they're first of all what you said he's been doing this damon's been doing this for so long and has so many of these shows and experience with this, he can like watch an episode or read a script and know what redditors are going to be talking about, and then have that in the next episode, which is really just like astounding that they're able to to do that and pace the reveals correctly, which I think only comes with experience. Like I really think that that's all it is. It's just having been involved in this world since Lost and knowing how 
how to pace it out, which I, which like you said, it's just really been incredible. This next episode, I, I don't know if you ever watched, you, did you ever watch The Leftovers? Did you ever take my advice I'm, and watch it? I'm, I'm part of the way into it. I started so watching. There, so there's an episode in season three, I want to say. It might be season two. It's one of the good seasons called International Assassin. And it looks like, and where, well, I don't, I don't want to give it away, but it looks like this is going to be their International Assassin episode, this one that's coming up. And if that's the case, you all better get ready for some weird, weird stuff to happen because it, it, it's going to get, it's going to get wild. Do you want to talk anything about what you think is actually happening here? Or do you want to kind of leave it with, with the next episode? Just or with like- what in general is happening here. So, so the, the multiple plots going. Exactly. So Keen being 7th Cavalry was the easiest thing to figure out in the history of television. Absolutely. Like, which, which means, by the way, because we're praising Lindelof for all this stuff, that's probably not the actual story. <laughs> because no. the fact that you could see it coming from literally a mile away suggests that it's not the actual story. So it'll be interesting to see how kind of that plays out. I loved the bank of TV screens behind him while he's talking to Lindel- while he's talking to Looking Glass. That's just, it's, a, it's really great. It's really great. Especially after they made us watch the dog incinerator scene, to give us an Easter egg like that is uh, it's really nice. But the but yeah, so I I thought that that whole storyline. There's definitely something else going on there. I think Looking Glass. I personally think Looking Glass survives. I don't I do see too. him go, going out like that. Like it just doesn't make sense. But maybe not. I mean, that's kind of the brutal reality of the show. But we didn't see a body. So that said, we, we didn't see Judd's body the after- house really. Yeah, we didn't see Judd's body after episode one, right? So, or did we? At the very end, at the very end, we saw it. And we also, we saw Judd hanging, and we also saw Judd's casket explode. All right. So, well, no, 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 that's not what I meant. I, at the end of episode one, did they just do him getting taken, or did they do him? I think they did the hanging at the end of They did one. the hanging, yeah. They did the hanging, yeah. and the drop of blood uh, hit his uh, sheriff's badge. So that part of it's interesting. Angela's, like, history and where this where this this memory drug, the nostalgia, what it's doing, why Lady True has been giving it to Will, and why, like, what is she doing with that? What is she doing with this clock that doesn't give you the time, it tells time, which was a very specific way that they decided to say that. So what is that about? Where's Veet? Because we know that he's escaping. Who was he asking for help? We saw Help Me D. We didn't see who else. Is it Dan? Is it Dr. Manhattan? We didn't see the rest of it. Like, there's all sorts of fun stuff to unpack here. And unfortunately, we're running out of episodes. Yeah, and I, you know what? Well, this is going to be a multi-season thing because it's, it's really lighting the internet up and people are responding to it really well. Uh, so I, I obviously there'll be mysteries for the second season because I don't think that's be a- true based on what Lindelof said in that first interview on his podcast he said he wanted this to be a self-contained story like the comic itself well and and so the comic itself most of it unraveled in one chapter so i think the second i think it'll be the second to last episode if this is if if this is supposed to be like the comic then the second to last episode is going to be nuts going to be absolutely insane and i'm so excited for it and can we just talk about the squid awesome just great just incredible. Like when 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 the psychic wave happened, I was like, "Oh, are they going to show the squid? Are they are they going to show the squid?" And then when they kept panning out and panning out, I was like, "Oh, 
Oh, there, there's a tentacle. Like it was the best slow reveal of a of a 1980s movie squid that I've ever seen in my life. It was just so stinking good. I loved it. So good. No, I yeah, I liked it. I thought that. I mean, obviously, everything that's going on, the shots in here are just like someone. I was on Reddit and someone freeze framed. So Looking Glass is talking about the one eyed demon that that haunts him, and someone freeze framed the girl. Uh, from the mirror thing, looking at her like lock, looking at her um, in her like uh, makeup, like flip up thing, whatever they yep. call those, uh, and like only you could only see her one eye. Like it's just, it's incredible. Well, and the seven years of bad luck line, like that yeah. was just so so good. I I just I don't even. I, I, I don't have words to describe how much I'm loving this show and what they're doing and how rich it is. Like. I I don't even know, man. Like they I'm, said I'm, squid pro quo. They said that. The word squid pro quo was for sure spoken. Well, the fact that like Ozymandias has been basically pulling the strings behind the government for 30 years at that point to get Robert Redford to be the president and the lifetime president at that, like just there's so much to be unpacked. And so that's why it's hard for me to take anything that's happening with Ozymandias at face value, because well, one, they confirm that he actually is in outer space, but like who put him there? Why is he there? How did he time that the, uh, the, the satellite would be exactly there at exactly that time? Like, why is he on a moon of Jupiter? I guess Europa is where he is. Why? Like, why would that be the place that he is? Oh, can we talk about that video? Do you think that video is legit? Hundred percent, absolutely. The, the the him talking to President Robert Redford, but why? Why? Like that doesn't really seem like something. That seems like a loose end that the smartest man who's ever lived wouldn't leave. Well, and so I think it's a continuation of a conversation he and uh, he and Doctor Manhattan had in the comic. I think because basically after his plan is successful in the comic, he um, he asks if it, it does it work. And Dr. Manhattan basically says it's never over is what he says. And so I think like that when Dr. Manhattan said that, he's like, oh, so I have to keep working this plan to uh, to to bring my utopia into light. And so I think that's probably what it is. I, I 100 percent think it's true. A real. They gave that line to uh, they gave that line to Laurie in the movie, right? Yeah, which is just the worst decision ever. <laughs> I got nothing. Oh, the movie. It looks so good and and just feels so bad in a lot a lot of ways. So, right, we'll, hopefully by the time we come back, we'll have something uh, worthwhile to say about Watchmen. But I'm loving it. I don't know what's going on. Uh, this next episode is going to be super trippy. They talk about not taking too much nostalgia. If you look at like Pedipedia, uh, like there's like psychosis. You can go crazy. You can lose your mind. And, uh, and definitely not taking someone else's nostalgia. Yeah. For sure. They also talk about uh, other gross side effects from... So if you haven't read Pedopedia, you should do that. But So this this weekend, we'll get more from Watchmen. And again, I don't know what's happening, but I'm just so glad to be a part of it. But now, Can, I, the, can I say one more ahead. thing about it? Absolutely. So I really hope that we never find out who Lube Man is. I, 100%. I because want Lube Man to be the weirdest unsolved mystery of all time. Because the fact that we saw Lube Man for like three seconds slide into like he's like he's just loving it, sliding down to that drain. He like and then like the entire next episode, nobody talked about it. 
It was never mentioned again. It was amazing. Like I want that to continue. Please never ever mention Lube Man again. Just have him show back up. Just have him pop back up randomly, but never explain what he's just, doing. And I'll just he and I'll Panda are talking in the background. That would be perfect, right? Who I I still want to know who Panda. Who I need to know who Panda is. Panda is great. Oh, that. <laughs> But that brings us to your favorite segment, my favorite segment, your grandmother's favorite segment. Don't sleep on it. So, Ray, what can the good folks not sleep on this week? I have to add one more thing. I think we're going to find out who Panda is because I don't think it was a it was a coincidence that Looking Glass is handing out pamphlets in 1985 that have pandas on it. So, we're, I think we're going to find out who who Panda is. I'm trying to think of the don't sleeps. I uh, I don't have anything that's really grabbed me. As of late. What have you been perusing on Disney Plus? Well, just every Disney movie that has ever existed and every Star Wars movie that's ever existed. Just kind of going through it. I am trying to watch His Dark Materials. It has been disappointing. It has been disappointing, I would say. And it... Like, it's so, so slow. And you don't really care about any of the characters yet. And I know that that's kind of the way the story is. The story is slow at the beginning, and at least they're taking their time a little more, and they're and they are you know introducing you to the characters. But there's just there's something missing from that show, and I don't know what it is. Have you caught up on it? I'm I'm not honestly after that first episode. There's just not like a like how Watchmen or Mandalorian have some charm to them. I hate that word, but like there's just there's just a thing that makes me want to come back and that's not there with his dark materials. It just isn't. Like it really isn't. And I don't know like and I don't know what it is cuz it's not like the production values are great. It's HBO, right? Production yeah. values are great. There's nothing wrong with any of the performances. In fact, I think the performance of Ruth Wilson has been has been like really exceptional and that's not surprising cuz she's a great actress. So, I think there's just something missing from it. I'm not going to speak ill of Daphne Keene, but there's like maybe she wasn't the exact right person for that character. There's just something. There's something that's not there, and I'm going to keep watching it because I like the source material, and I know that it can be slow, and we're going to get the bears, and we're going to get the witches, and we're going to get all that in the near future. But I, I don't know. I have been. I just say not a don't sleep, maybe a sleep. I have been disappointed by his dark materials to this point. I'm going to let you tell me when I should start watching that show, if ever, and then I'll let you fill me in on the plot details that I don't have. How does that sound? Fair. 100% fair. Okay, cool. So that's what I'm going to do. So my don't sleep on it is, it's not necessarily something that people have ever slept on, but I feel like it it gets overshadowed by some of its uh, bigger brothers. So my, my, again, we dove headlong into Disney Plus uh, as soon as it was available in the United States. And my son has taken a shine to Monsters, Inc., which I feel like is a parenting win for me. Monsters, Inc. doesn't get as... Like, Toy Story is like the bell cow of Pixar, but, like, I would put Monsters, Inc. against up against all of the Toy Story movies. I absolutely love that movie. Like, the opening joke with Billy Crystal being the clock radio and then, it like, panning out to him just, like, standing. Like, it's just funny. And the, the world building that they did, like, 
outside of maybe Coco, which all of that existed, like, I don't know if they've built an original world like that in any of their other films. Like, the whole Monstropolis thing is brand new. And so I just love the world building they did. It was perfectly cast. Steve Buscemi is great. Uh, Just John Goodman kills it. Like, I absolutely love that movie. And I think it should get way more love than it does. It feels like it's kind of the overlooked classic, the overlooked masterpiece maybe from Pixar. They all, all those movies just want you to cry. Every single one of them just wants you to cry. Like you feel dumb because you're crying at a kid's movie, but they all do it. Every single one of them does it. Like Toy Story 3 is like, a that'll, that'll destroy you. Toy Story 100%. 3. Like it, it needs, Monsters Inc., that'll kill you up. The beginning of Up, goodness. Like that, that's what I've noticed about watching through all of these. Oh, the other thing I've noticed is I tried to watch the, the, the live action remakes that I had missed, most notably Dumbo. I had not missed them. <laughs> you did not miss much, if anything. Whew. They were not good. Not good. I'm, I'm so, uh, I, I'm that there's going to be a segment of Disney plus that I never venture into. It's going to be the live action remakes. Like I'm just, you could keep the, the portion of my $6 that covers that. I'm never, never going to watch any of those. I, there's, I have zero desire to do so. Like what? So freaking ever. But, uh, you mentioned I like I've, Beauty and the Beast. I have to say on that. I do like Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast was but, okay. Beauty and the Beast was okay. But I don't think you can mess up Beauty and the Beast. Also because it has one of the best Disney songs in it. So I don't think that you can... I just don't think you can mess up Beauty and the Beast. Which one? Which, 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 which uh, Ta- song are you Taylor's referring to? Taylor's Oldest Time. Okay. Taylor's Oldest Time I- is outstanding. It's a perfect song. Yeah, like it's perfect. I, I was going to judge you if you said Be Our Guest, but you, may, you said the right thing. No, I don't like any of those. I don't like any of those cutesy ones. Don't tell me "Under the Sea" is your favorite song. Don't tell me if you think if you think that "Never Seen a," uh, what is that one? Uh, you never, never had, had a friend, friend like, like me? me, or like the Prince Ali song is the best Aladdin song, and you don't think that uh, a whole new world is like I don't. We don't even need to talk. Like the ballads are where they do it. The uh, the only one that I will argue with that is the whistling theme from uh, Robin Hood. Is yeah. the goat? It's so good. I I I I can't say anything also, more about that. I also have to say that every time "Kiss the Girl" comes on, I definitely have to break into a wow 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 wow. Sha la 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 la. Yeah, I hundred. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go full laundry and watch The Little Mermaid. This is all your fault. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week, Ray. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at rm Summerlin. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Follow the show on Twitter at Two Woke Nerds. Feel free to shoot us an email, Two Woke Nerds at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, stay woke. <laughs>